0: On this episode of the Driving Improvement Podcast, we ring in the new year with James Hong, one of the best junior golf coaches in the world. Ranked by Golf Digest as a top instructor in New York and a U.S. Kids Top 50 Master Instructor, he's the Director of Instruction at Harbor Links Golf Course in Port Washington, New York. Hong is known for his incredible ability to connect with junior golfers of all ages and skill levels, helping them improve and find a lifelong love of the game. His path to coaching was a winding one, but he is now known amongst coaches as a Swiss army knife, someone who can reach into his toolbox and can find a way to connect and help every student in front of him. On this episode, we discuss his journey to become a top coach, what it takes to gain the trust of a junior golfer, and how coaching the parents can be harder than coaching the kids. All that and more on the Driving Improvement Podcast with Mark Russo, right now. Well, welcome into the Driving Improvement Podcast, everyone. Happy New Year and welcome uh and wanna start off the year right uh in exciting fashion with my good friend James Hong. James, how are you, man?
1: How are you? It's nice nice uh being here. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, buddy, absolutely. Uh it's been um and you know, we text here and there and and communicate throughout the year a few chuckles back and forth but it's nice to catch up with you uh, how how's your uh, how's your family doing kind of a weird year as we keep talking about well not in 2021 hopefully but 2020 was an an adventure
1: yeah i mean they they're doing pretty good we we're, we're, we've been very lucky um everyone's been healthy no problems extended family as well so you know thank goodness everything's going well
0: and and i see um um over the holidays, your uh, your pecan pie business was, was booming, apparently. Oh, yeah. Pies, right? it's,
1: it's like I, I, uh, <laughs> I seem to have developed a little cottage industry here with pecan pies. <laughs> or, or some people say pecan, you know, whichever you prefer, tomato. Right.
0: Cream. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they look tasty. Uh, how's, uh, how's, you know, you're one of those guys who we joke about your outerwear half the time, but you're, you're, you're one of those guys who teaches year round and you're in New York. So you're like seriously yep. hardy, um, you know, through the winter time. I mean, you're still, you're still grinding out and, and still going, aren't you?
1: Yeah, actually, it wasn't until about two weeks ago that I actually went indoors. So. Uh, going, going up to about the first, first, second week of December, I was still outside 30, 39 degrees, 45 degrees, cold weather. So yeah, I was, I was kind of wrapped up. Thank goodness for my (laughs) Uniglow. I'm trying to get something with them.
0: (laughs) James says for those who, who uh, maybe just need to, to jump in on, on Twitter and, and, See James on Facebook, Kazer. We have there's a running joke in the whole teaching community and everybody who knows him, and it's a loving joke. But how he wears the same lime green. Can we call it lime green? Lime green?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's amazing how it hasn't faded. That thing oh, is I,
0: amazing. <laughs> I'll just say it might have been a different color when you first got it. But that <laughs> thing just never dies. It makes it, it to the lesson every winter. <laughs> and and by the way, we also have to um I, I'm wearing the t-shirt. Obviously, people can't see this, but we have to, I, I got to get your thoughts as a Star Wars guy about, you know, Mandalorian and, and what you, what you thought of that.
1: It's, I mean, th- thank goodness they made this show because it, it kind of makes up for all of the other, <laughs> you know, if you want to call it mistakes, nonsense, like for Star Wars fans, uh, th- this, this is kind of what you would, as a Star Wars fan would hope that any kind of future movies or TV shows or whatever they'd be putting out there would be like, it's, uh, now, there was that there was that funny meme that was out there about JJ uh, Abrams saying, Well, you can't satisfy Star Wars fans and the new generation, and then you see uh John Favreau underneath going, Hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was awesome. I was like, You're at- yeah, yes, you can basically. <laughs>
0: uh huh. Yeah, it was fantastic. I cannot wait till you know what December of next year. Let's get I'll it on.
1: Because I know you've been watching it well. you should watch if you haven't already that Disney show. Uh, the gallery which is a documentary mm. an eight part show about how they make the sh- how they've been making the Mandalorian that show is actually as good as the Mandalorian I binge watched that binge watched that the other day I was just like oh. it's
0: amazing what they did with that show oh, well I'll definitely check that out I, I think yeah. I watched the first one and I didn't finish so I, I need to do that Yeah, um,
1: it's going to tell you what what they're going to be doing with all of the other future shows coming out It's it's really cool
0: Awesome. Well, uh, starting in uh, a, a little bit with you, man, just, uh, you know, sort of, you've got to really, um, we've talked about it a little bit, and, and I've heard you talk other places about it, but your career arc to get to where you are, and, and, and again, as I as people heard me say um, in the opening that uh, everybody hears at the beginning of each show, I talk about how, you know, you're regarded, and I don't know that you'll ever say this, but everybody knows you will, as one of the best junior call. Cor- junior golf coaches in the world, and I, I think everybody who knows you would certainly agree with that. Give everybody a little bit of a, a sense of the background, because you've got an interesting background that led you into golf coaching.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know, uh, like you said, I, I brought this up a couple other places, and what happened was is that, I guess, um, well, my father was a college professor, so I was always within sort of an educational environment my whole life. Um, his study, for instance, in our house was itself a library. And when he passed away, we literally took all of the books in his library and donated it to his college. And they actually had to create like a little wing. There were so many books that we gave them. They're like, oh my God. So having some sense of being a teacher, um, a coach, whatever it takes. And I remember always growing up being a little kid and always talking to other kids in my camp, in a summer camp, for instance, and talking about like, oh, you know, maybe you should do this. Maybe you don't. I guess I was bossy at the time or whatever. And even going through high school, helping out other coaches, like with, I, I was like an assistant manager for the, for the girls' soccer team in my high school, stuff like that, always helping out. So coaching, teaching was always something that I enjoyed to do. I enjoyed doing. And so fast forward, getting involved with fencing – that was the sport that I really started getting involved in. And I competed nationally in it and, and, and I was, I was getting pretty good in it. And so what I noticed was that, and I also became after, even while I was competing after I graduated from college, it was like, I was, I coached at two colleges. I'd coached at Trinity college. I coached at Hunter college as well. and, you know actually put out some some decent students who were who were good athletes. And what I noticed was going into golf was that the way it was coached, the way it was taught, were very, very similar. I mean it's like in in fact, um a lot of times the way I still give lessons is very much the way my old coach would give me lessons. And sometimes I would joking around, just actually find myself talking in his accent because he was, he was from Bulgaria. So he suddenly said, you know, I would just suddenly start talking like him and see, you know, (laughs) and people would be like, what the hell are you doing? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just having a flashback to my old days or something like that. But um, yeah. And, and they're very, very similar in the way they're individual sports. And, you know, we're talking like going back into the late eighties, early nineties and, A lot of what we did in fencing was, believe it or not, ground reaction forces. Hmm. We were taught how to use our feet to generate speed, to generate power. And so, of course, that's now kind of like the big thing, what everyone's trying to do today. But so I was always interested in that kind of stuff. And like I said, my coach and he was from an Eastern European country. So it was awesome to hear the stories about Eastern Bloc countries versus you know, Western blog Berlin, all of this stuff. And he would always tell me stories about how, um, the Eastern European teams, what they would do is, is they, they learned how to use their body to create certain situation scenarios, not just in fencing, but it could be any, any, any person, any kind of like competition. How do we generate more speed when we're running, when we're jumping, uh, anything like that, boxing, whatever. So, uh, It was it was really cool to hear some of the stories that that he would tell us, not just me, but some of the other students that he was working with. And it it was really interesting going back and, and kind of remembering some of those stories and then carrying them through. I mean, I remember there were times where with some students, I would actually give them quick 10 minute fencing lessons on footwork just so they could kind of understand what their feet are doing in connection with the ground.
0: So, I mean, in all of that, you know, moving through fencing and everything, you were kind of getting involved in coaching in different places. So the question then begs, you know, what's the draw of it? You know, it's a question I I will ask sometimes. Well, I ask almost every coach I I'm, I have on here, but especially now, like, what what was the draw? You were always working your way into some kind of coaching, some kind of, you know, yeah. helping people.
1: It's, I I just always enjoyed the the idea of making someone better, helping them achieve whatever goals they had. And and the funny thing is, is like when I was competing in college, my coach used to get mad at me because I used to love watching the guys that I was competing against. And and of course, we're always watching each other and kind of like looking for I could use that against him. But at the same time, what I would do is after I was finished competing against them I would actually pull the guy aside and say this is what I saw you doing and this this is this is how I, I got those three points against you I noticed you doing this and doing this and you know what would really help you and my coach would be like how do you know you're not going to compete against them later in the finals or something like that why are you telling them all this? I just couldn't help it I, I love the fact and I love the idea of the guy coming over to me later on during a a competition and going like dude thanks so much for that help man that really helped me because you have know, like and and i was like oh no problem and and it really was a sense of i didn't mind uh if the other person did better in the competition as a result of something that i helped them with mm-hmm. and and that just kind of stuck with me stuck with me and carried over into golf i guess as well
0: So basically you were like the guy at the driving range who turns around to the guy in the stall next to him and gives him free advice. Is that, is that who you were pretty much?
1: Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) And And, 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 and I'll tell you what, I got the best lesson from this guy on not doing that anymore. And he was a really high level player. Really? I mean, I think he was borderline tour player and we were just hitting balls next to each other. And, and I, and we knew each other. So that made it easier. He, he was just kind of like, and he was sitting balls. I was like, oh, what are you working on? He's like, oh, I'm working on this. I was like, okay, cool. Hitting him. I'm just kind of like looking over at him. And then I, at one point I just said to him, you know, I noticed that you were doing this and maybe that's the reason why. And he just kind of looked at me and like that friendship look was gone.
0: <laughs>
1: and he looked at me and he goes, that's not what I'm working on really icy and then went back. And that moment, I'll never forget that moment. That's one of those watershed moments where I was like, keep your mouth shut. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So as you, as you work into uh, your, your junior, your coaching and and we shouldn't just pigeonhole you obviously as a junior coach James, because you do teach to adults, but the vast majority is junior golf. So the question then really is how did your junior golf, your junior philosophy evolve Um, we talk often about how, when we start out, you know, we give our share of bad lessons, we learn, we make failures. We talk about this often in every type of, uh, area, whether it's golf or business, but we start out early and we make our share of mistakes. Um, now if anybody watches you, even from afar, just looking at Instagram and everything that you put out, it is very clear that you have a, a philosophy, you have a, a, program. You have everything very well thought out and understand where it's all at. So then how did that happen? Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I think first of all, we, when we we're working with students, we're always telling our students, don't be afraid to make mistakes. You'll learn from the mistake. And I think that goes for us as well. When we're coaching, when we're teaching is don't be afraid of making the mistakes. It's it's when you realize you made a mistake or or a mentor of yours points out that you made a mistake, don't take it as an ego hit. Learn from it. I mean, what I mean, I think, you know, one thing I'll pat myself on the back for is is that I don't let my ego get in the way. I mean, we we we're all good teachers. And part of what makes us all good teachers and coaches is that we have an ego. We know we're good at what we do, but at the same time, if someone comes up to me and says, I don't know, you know, that might lead to this issue. I'm not going to stand there and go, well, who are you to tell me this? Don't you know who I am? I'm going to be like, Oh yeah. Well, what do you mean by that? Now I want more. I want to find out where my pitfalls are because that's only going to make me better. I'm not going to waste time thinking, you know, with a bruised ego. So, uh, find people that you trust who you don't mind telling you you're wrong. Don't do that. And let them critique you. And when you hear those things, learn from those mistakes like you would tell a student, and that's just going to make you better. I mean, I made a lot of mistakes as a coach. And, I, I mean, I think what I'm, what you're talking about now, what you're seeing is basically the benefits of looking back on my myself and making changes. And and another thing, never be satisfied. You can receive all of the accolades in the world, accolades in the world. You should never be satisfied. You should always be looking at what you did and said, what was good? What could be made better? And what, what should I stop doing? And, and that's how you're just going to continue to move upwards in terms of your profession.
0: Do you have your, uh, your coaching or teaching philosophy sort of written down in any way?
1: I I did. And what I noticed was as good as it was to have it written down, I kept deviating hmm. because, and, and this is just me. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this is everyone. It's that when I write something down, I feel like that's the Rosetta stone. And so when I write it down, what happens when something alters? So I kind of like that organic sense of, yeah, it's written down. But I, when I write something down, it's really general. It's really I, it's one of two things. It's either really, really general and open to interpretation or it's like 73 pages long because I'm thinking about every single branch and leaf on the tree and, and making sure every detail is covered.
0: So so go ahead. Now, well, it's it's interesting. You you said it that way too, because um, you know, lovingly, you were given a, a nickname by a friend of ours, Ryan Cheney. He calls you Swiss, and sort of like you're kind of neutral, and you know, you you love and and appreciate everybody. And I, I honestly think that that's a great nickname in a way too, though, because you are very willing to learn from everybody. Like you've dipped your toes into a lot of different certifications and. Um, different areas of our business. There's a lot out there. Yeah, uh, and you and you can certainly drown in it. Um, but you've be, been very good at that. How are you able to uh, apply some of that stuff to your philosophy, sort of in a a general way, and not lose who James Hong is, like your main, um, your culture or who you are, and still be able to add all these little extra things?
1: Yeah, I think. What happens, um, and and again, this is just through experience, is when I when I go and attend something or I learn something, I, I immediately start to think about what type of person would this really benefit. Um, it, it, like for instance, if I take bio swing dynamics, if I take you know what what I learned from those guys from E A Tischler, from Mike Adams, from Terry Rolls, that whole group of people, it's understanding that there's more than one way and you have to find out what's the best way for each person in front of you and so doing just a couple of quick assessments and finding out what's what's the best thing for them to do what are your first steps with them and but i think when when you're when you're looking at all this information like i said it's like who do you think this would best benefit but you're also thinking of it as like can you think of people that maybe this would not be the way you would go with Right. And I know there are some some people out there who say, oh, no, this this works for everybody. Right. And it Mm -hmm. it might be true. But, you know, we're human and we can find exceptions to every single rule. Uh, And it's like, you know, it works for everybody. Well, that's great. I may have a one hundred thousand people that this worked for and that hundred and that first person that comes through the door. Right. Might be the one person that it doesn't work for, then it's not a hundred percent anymore. then you can't say this works for everyone because it didn't right, and you have to be flexible, you have to be willing to understand that and 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 be able to realize, yeah let's go this way with this person, let's go that way with that person and 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 try and also what happens is like a video game, don't be afraid to be, yeah, you know what we went this way with this. I think that's the reason why we're struggling, so let's kind of back up. Let's hit the start over button and let's 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 try and move in this direction. Don't be afraid to say, yeah, I, I was wrong with that. Let's try this now with you.
0: I brought that that one up with uh with Andrew Rice when he was on the band. So that's an interesting question right back at you then. Would you have been as willing when you started out to do that, to pull back and say, you know what? Eh, that didn't work. Let's try something different as you are now.
1: Oh, when I started? Yeah. Oh no, no, absolutely not! I'll, t- I'll tell you what I and I've said this to a couple of people. I've said this to Ryan, and um, is that I'm I'm a hundred percent sure that all of you that know me now, if you knew me twenty years ago, you would hate my guts. You would absolutely think this is the biggest jerk I've ever met. Can't believe this guy is in the same business as me. Because I really thought I knew, I thought I was God's gift to teaching. I thought I knew everything. Um, I thought everyone was an idiot. Just listen to me. You'll you'll be better. Just do what I tell you. And it's it's like, like I said, you have those light bulb moments. And thank goodness uh, when that hit me, that moment hit me, I realized, you know what? You're not the smartest man in the room. In fact, you may have just been shown that you were the, the biggest idiot. And when that, when that moment hit me, that's when I realized, you know, if you really want to be good at this, if you, if you better, you better open up your mind and you better, you better stop being such an idiot and such a jerk.
0: Mm-hmm. So we talk about a, a little bit of that too, here is communication. And I'm really curious as a starting point to about communication adjustments that you make, uh, you get a, uh, We'll just generalize a a 40 year old uh, mid handicap golfer, an adult in front of you. And then you get uh, a kid, a junior golfer, who's say 10 years old Um, in a general sense. And obviously you're good enough to uh, read their body language and read the the environment like all good teachers are. But what are some of the communication adjustments that you're making between those two wildly different clients on your lesson tee?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's like you said, it's like as soon as I see them, um, I'm looking at their body language. And uh, for me, one of the first things I'm looking for is, do they look like they were here of their own free will? (laughs) They wanted to be there or they're just there. and when you're with an adult, for instance, they may be there just fulfilling a gift certificate. Hey, my wife got me this or something like that. Or, hey, somebody told me about you. So I want to see if you can help me. Right. So, so they're kind of like crossing their arms. They want to see if, if, if you're the guy or you're the woman. Right. So with kids, you might you might be like the tenth person they're taking a lesson from, and they're just like, "Ma, I don't want to go." And like, "Oh no, this is going to be good for you." This is no, no, we're, we're, <laughs> this is going to be good for your future. We should do, you know. So, oh, and they come in, so I'm I'm looking for that kind of stuff, and I, I'll feed off of that. And and some of it is is me being you know trying to be sympathetic, uh, empathetic with what I see, and I think what's important is when you have a new student, is that you see them before they see you, meaning take a peek out of your office window so you could see what they're doing. Uh, Don't have that first handshake or first greeting be the first time you see the person, right? See them before before they see you so you can pick these things up. And I remember one gentleman, he came for his first lesson with me and he was sitting on the bench outside of the teaching area And I came up from behind him and I was just kind of watching him and I could see he was on his phone and he was very aggravated. So this was either a conversation he was having with someone at home or was something to do with work. And when he got up and he was like, Oh, Hey, you know, nice to meet you. And he's like, Oh, it's nice to meet you. He was like, you could tell he was aggravated. Mm -hmm. So just, just feeding off of that and going like just trying to be calm and relaxed and have a smile on my face, bring him on in there and, and he was like, you know, and he was hitting the ball. I'm just saying, no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Remember, hey, if, you, if you're if you hitting the ball, great. You wouldn't be here. You'd be out there playing. Ha, 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 ha. And I think within the first five minutes, he, you could see he was just relaxed. And 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 then he even said to me, by the way, I'm sorry about it earlier. I was, you know, I got this phone call from work and things are just going nuts. And blah, 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 blah. Oh, no, no, no problem. Right? And, and just yeah. being able to see those things.
0: So, yeah, I, I think the skill there that you're you're talking about is such uh, an important uh, skill. Um, you know, I, we've heard John Dunnigan's talked about it uh, often skilled coaches and and just that emotional intelligence is you know a super underrated skill um, to be able to to help people sort of feel comfortable in in a, an environment that maybe they're either not comfortable with, or in your example there with the adult, he, he's not prepared. mentally for that for that moment he's got something on his mind and so he's never going to get the most out of the situation with you uh, if you don't sort of bring him back to to level you know so you mentioned earlier too and i had this in my notes actually to ask you this but about that junior that shows up on your lesson t uh that is really your suspect as to whether or not they really want to be there yeah so my question for you there is really how do you deal with that, not only from the juniors side, like dealing with with the, this kid in front of you and also the parent side. And we'll talk a little bit more about that shortly, too. But I'm curious how you address that, because that's a difficult situation. We're, we're both fathers. We have both dealt with our right. own kids, you know, not wanting to be somewhere. Uh, so we understand and we we certainly sympathize. But how do you deal with it?
1: Yeah, I think. Also, you're looking at it in like, how old is the is the junior? So, I'll take the younger child first. Let's say under the age of ten or nine. And so, what'll happen is is when I can see they're kind of like uh, another golf lesson or something like that. It's I'll go up to them and and, and kind of like, are you Mark Russo? Are you <laughs> the Mark Russo? You know how long I've been waiting for you.
0: Oh, yeah,
1: I can't believe you're here. And, and the, I got where's my notebook? I got to get an autograph. You have to give me your autograph. I can't. I mean, I have been waiting all day for you. And and they're just they kind of like look at me like, what the hell is this? Oh my god, who's this nut job? And <laughs> just making it different right off the bat because you you can tell they were like, oh, nice to meet you. Okay, so um, why don't you grab your seven iron and let's see you hit some balls. Okay. All right. First thing you got to do, let's get, let's get your feet shoulder width apart, and let's make the letter. What it, it's like, um, and you know, just 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 kind of making it different. You know, like let me see. Hey, what's your favorite club? Let's see, hit some balls. What's your favorite team? Really? Like for instance, if you know here in New York, Mets fans, Yankee fans. It doesn't matter what they are. If they come, like, so what's your favorite baseball team? Mets. Oh, forget. It. Sorry. This lesson's over. You're out. Get out. You're out. <laughs> All right. No mess fans allowed. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, you know, they it, just stuff like that. And sometimes with kids that are also shy, what will happen is I'll just sit down in front of them on the mat, right down on the mat, just plop down and just start talking to them. I'll look up at them, make sure I'm at eye level with them. No short jokes, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and just talking to them, and sometimes what I'll do is, is when I can see they're still kind of figuring me out, it's I'll tell them I'll oh, put the club down, put the club down. Here, sit down right next to me, sit down, and then they'll sit down, and then I'll just start talking to them. So you like chocolate, right? Mm-hmm. Me too. You know what I don't like though? I don't like chocolate with like stuff in the middle. If it's fruit in the middle, just just start talking like this, yeah. right? And then after after about thirty seconds a minute, of this is like, okay, you you want to hit a ball yeah. Okay. And then they get up just, just kind of that, just breaking the ice, so to speak. So, so you're,
0: you're giving us basically a masterclass in gaining their trust. Yeah. You know, uh, and that, that to me is, is the the difficult part. And I, you know, I, I don't teach juniors nearly as much as you do, but in the instances where I get them and I, I feel some of that, I, I sort of almost put my goofy dad hat on, you know, and it's like, okay, it's going to be less about learning anything golf wise today and just getting them to enjoy the experience, yeah. which you're always trying to do anyway. But in this particular case, you know, you're, you've, you've got your work cut out for you, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and do you, do you find that the parents in those situations react well to that? Or do they feel like, wait, you're not teaching them any golf?
1: Yeah. They, they, I haven't yet had anyone complain about it it's like because they're getting it too they're seeing this guy's different this the, okay he's connecting right and and what always is you can see like the parents are hovering for and what will happen is is the parents will start to believe it or not they start to back off because they they kind of see like okay I don't have to be there in case little Jimmy starts acting up and wants to go home. like you know I, I can I can he he's got it he's got it and they, they start to back away a little bit. They go on their phone, they're calling someone or they're checking their messages, whatnot. And uh, the best thing is like when they go like, all right, you know, uh, mom's just going to go get a cup of coffee. Okay. I'm going to go in the snack bar, get a cup of coffee and, and I'll be right back. And the kid's like, okay. And then they just turn back around. Oh, great. Right. And, so, and, and, and that's, like I said, that's the younger kids and and with the older kids, sometimes what I'll do especially if they've been playing for a little bit it's right off the bat I'll say okay so what did dad tell you to do in your golf
0: swing
1: <laughs> right Remember, like they kind of look at me and it's like come on come on he, right they, they they said some things to you did they tell you to keep your head down they tell you to keep your left arm straight I mean yeah, yeah yeah okay all right
0: all that good stuff
1: yeah it's like we're gonna we're gonna and I, I'll turn to dad and I'm like sorry about to insult you here. And I'll be like, this is why we're going to wash all that garbage down the drain. And then it's like, you know, Oh, okay. Like, once again, you get the, all right, this guy's different.
0: Do you, uh, you know, we're talking about the parents a little bit too. And, and I want to also touch on some of the older kids as well, but to touch on the parents while we're there first, it, it, you know, things are different today. I, I mean, parenting's different. Life is different. It evolves. Right. But We have a lot of discussions out there about uh you know uh, parents who push too hard uh and maybe overdo it for their kids and so what are what's some of the advice that you would give parents on the best way to deal with it with their kids and their coach and that relationship when they get the kid involved in in golf whether the kid maybe the kid really wants to which is a plus Um, but maybe the kid's unsure and he's like this child we're talking about, you know, you've just kind of talked about, you've got that kid now, but what's your advice for parents and maybe some mistakes that the parents unfortunately make that have an effect on their kids, um, you know, involvement in the game and, and improvement.
1: Yeah. I think what happens with parents a lot of times, and this is all about being a good parent. This is, it's like, you, we're talking about their babies, their children, uh, their loved ones, and what happens with parents is they see where their child is now. They know what what the end result should look like, right? A really nice shot that lands five feet from the hole, ha! Right. So what happens is they don't. What they don't understand is, is what does it take to get from here to here. All of this. They just automatically see point A, point B. And on top of it, they put a lot of emphasis on that one shot out of a hundred that does end up five feet from the hole. They don't see, they don't realize that it could be 55 feet from the hole. It could be 35 yards from the hole. Right. So what happens is parents are always looking at what do I do to my kid so they get here? Right? That's why you're, you're always seeing parents like do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Don't get to do this, do this, do this. Like they hit kid hits the ball. Well, they didn't get that. They didn't get that. All right. So you did this wrong. You did this wrong. And all like that. Right. They in a sense mean well, but they don't understand what that takes. That's our job. And so we as instructors, as coaches, we have to let the parents know we're in charge of this. And as you know, as I like to say, and I know like with the, the, John Dunnigan and all them, they, you know, there's no deadline. There's dead no deadline for better, right? And sometimes that's a tricky road because you're kind of implying like, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. They may not get this till they're 35. So, sorry, sorry yeah. if you were dreaming about a college scholarship.
0: Right? They don't want to hear that.
1: Yeah, it's like, but, and it, they have to understand that. And and I know, and like you said, we're parents. And sometimes when we see our kids. It's, we we kind of see something happening and we're almost like, oh, oh, no, but you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, right. And that, that's kind of sometimes when I see my, oh no, I see. Yeah. That's what the other parents would do. And I'm telling them, no, no, no. Let them, let them drop that glass of milk. Yeah. Let it hit the floor. Let them realize, right. That they, yeah. not only that yeah, they shouldn't have done this and that's why the glass of milk fell, but Hey, guess what? I'm not cleaning it up. You also have to clean that
0: up. Yeah. Uh, that the whole and there's the there's the discussion that we have often on the podcast about failure. Right. And and it's yeah. so funny you say that, too, because knowing what I know now uh, about how people learn and, and the, you know, just doing it every day and understanding that concept you just described. I often catch myself with my boys. You know, there's times where it's like I want to say something partly because I'm just like so OCD about certain things. And I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to let this go. I'm going to let it go. Hopefully it doesn't get hurt. You yep. know, I'm watching, I'll be here if he, if he really takes a, a dangerous turn here, but he needs to learn what's, what's right, what's wrong, what's, you know, how to fail and how to pick himself back up. And it, it's a, it's a tricky road. And certainly, you know, you put yourself in their shoes and understand what they're, what yeah. they're dealing with. You know,
1: I, I know like what, what I'll do with this and I, I'll do this with adults too. It's not just juniors. It's, it's, uh, they'll hit three or four or five balls and I'll tell them, I say, you can't just do it on one. You, you got to give yourself six, seven, eight shots. Okay. And then th- when they asked me why, I said, listen, the first two balls, your brain and your body too busy going, what the hell is this? this? Feels weird. This this feels wrong. Well, the next two balls, your brain's going, all right, I see where we're going with this, but it still, it still feels like crap. Right. Then the next two balls, you're kind of like, all right, the resistance is starting to drop. And then all of a sudden, somewhere in the sixth to eighth ball, you hit a really good one. Like, oh, mm. okay, let's get to work. Yeah. But you, most of us never let ourselves get there. So just give yourself six, seven, eight balls. And then somewhere around the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth ball, I'll, I'll start to ask questions like, what do you think happened there? Or I'll say, what do you think you did really well there? And they'll be like, and, and it's interesting, more so with kids than with junior, and uh, more so with kids than with adults. It's like, they'll look at you and they go like, I don't think I did anything well. Really? Yeah. It's like, wow, you're that down on yourself. It's like, well, how was your grip? Was your grip okay? Yeah, my grip. Right. How was your setup? You looked like a pro, didn't you? Yeah. So you did two things really well there. And then and then I was like, well, if you had to do that shot again, what do you think you would do just to make it a little bit better? Yeah. Uh, just, just, just starting to get the hamster moving. Yeah. And realizing it. And, and, and I like telling kids as well that, listen, Am I a teacher? Yeah, I'm a teacher. But I'm not your this is not school. There's no report card. I don't have a red pen in my hand. And I'm not going to take your paper and write red marks all over it and say, see me after class. I'm not the principal. I don't call up your parents and say little Jimmy was not paying attention. And right. We're not that kind of teacher and we're not that kind of school. All right. This is golf.
0: Right. And you spent enough time around other great teachers. Obviously, as we talked about earlier, you've you've done your share of learning to be to be sure. And and I think the thing that comes across what you said earlier was really important about teaching on patterns versus single shots, which people have a tendency to to do way too much. And also the ability of of great teachers. Uh, I just had this discussion with somebody the other day that they're just amazing question askers. Um, and often it's more about them asking the questions to draw out the student's answer, so the student learns, right, versus the other way around. Um, so I, I think what you said there, you know, that's gold. I mean, it's it's always about helping them find themselves and be able to answer, as I call it, self-medicate. Yeah, I use that term very often. You know,
1: it's and they're so afraid to give the wrong answer. Like I said, like at school and. Yeah. A lot of times I'll ask the question, what do you think happened there? And they'll be like, I don't know. And I will shoot right back. You do know. Like, no, I don't. I don't know. No, you do know. (laughs) You do know. Then it'll get into this, like, what did I ask you to do? "Uh, You told me to do this. Right. Did you do it? No. Why not? I don't know. No. See, you do know. Because... You did that on purpose. I asked you to do this. I asked you to do this and you didn't do it. There's a reason why you didn't do it. So when you go, I don't know. No, you do know. And then they're kind of like, oh, and then because oh, I was afraid of hitting a bad shot. There you go. There you yeah. go. You're Afraid of hitting a bad shot.
0: So you're using using that Jedi mind stuff on him again, James. (laughs) (laughs) So if a a parent wants to get uh, their kid into golf, uh, just as we move along into a couple other things here, I definitely want to get into with you. Give me, and I didn't prep you with this one. So take as much time as you need. But if you could pick up three things, you could tell a parent who, wants to get their child into golf their child wants to get into golf we'll just assume that the kid's asking right. um what would they be give it give give some advice to some of our listeners who have kids and they want to put a club in their hands
1: yeah i would first of all make sure you give them junior clubs don't give them grandpa's cut down you know Hag ultra seven iron from 1973 uh that's 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 the fastest way to make them hate it because they'll be like, I can't hit a ball with this. Does, I hate this game. Well, the reason why they can't hit the ball with it is because the club isn't suited for someone their age to hit, with, swing with. So forget that. Just wherever you're going, whether it's a private lesson or a group lesson, ask them, do you have junior clubs that my child can borrow? Yes, we do. Good. All right. Uh, don't be afraid to put your kids in a group because – they will actually enjoy it more seeing, looking around and seeing other kids and kind of bonding with them and, and kind of like (laughs) suffering through (laughs) the game through with everyone else and, and having a good time. Uh, If they want a private lesson, that's fine too. But I think uh, don't be afraid of putting them in a group. And, and I'll tell a lot of kids, a lot of parents, it's, if you want to find out, do that first. It's, it's also much more cost effective, quite frankly, for, for parents and and find out that way when you have to you want your child to be like i want a lesson i want to learn more can you i want a lesson can you get me a lesson that way uh when you're paying for a lesson you know it's going to be worth your time worth your effort so that would be another thing make sure that whoever it is you're going to has experience teaching kids and teaching kids at their level for instance you may have an instructor Who's got? Who's known for teaching juniors and like? Oh, this guy's a, this guy. This woman is amazing with juniors, but it turns out their reputation is with elite juniors. So make sure that whoever it is you're going to also has experience working with that experience level of your child.
0: Oh, that's great stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, especially the the club fitting thing. I mean, again, for the kids that I've taught, it's if I. Just say I teach five kids under under the age of ten. Uh, probably four out of five has clubs that are not even close. And so it's like you know you, you want to say to the to the parents like, hey, look, try w- take two shoe sizes bigger than what you wear. Yep. Yeah. And go ahead and try and run a sprint for me. Could you do it? Maybe. Will it be pretty? Will you want to do it again? Probably not. So it's like, come on, let's. Let's yeah. get the U.S. kids stuff in their hands and let's get going here for I, sure.
1: I had one kid show up with like his mom's driver. I mean, the driver was <laughs> as tall as him and he was swinging. And of course, it's like, you know, let's see you hold your finish. They swing and they're like stumbling all over the place. And the dad is going like, I understand why he can't hold his finish. And I looked at him and I said, the reason why he can't hold his finish is because he's he's swinging a flagpole. Flag he's like, what do you mean? So I grabbed the junior club, gave it to his kid. He made one swing and he looks like Adam Scott. And I, I grabbed a flagpole and I gave it to the dad. And I said, you're a golfer. Make a golf swing with the flagstick. He swung the flag stick And guess what? He's stumbling around exactly <laughs> like his son is. And I said, that looked familiar? And he's like, he's got a big grin." I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. So what should I do? And that's when I told him, like, yeah, just get him, get him junior clubs. Don't give him your wife's clubs.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned earlier uh, elite juniors. And so working up the chain just a little bit into the sort of next level uh, above the younger kids, we start to get into maybe the more high school age uh, kids. And and, um, this is an area too that I'm curious to talk to you about because it's the vast majority of the juniors that I teach um, more in the high school age. And so the first thing I want to ask you about is self-starters versus unmotivated kids uh and and frankly we could certainly have this discussion about adults too it's just it's maybe viewed a little bit differently um because you're talking to the straight to the adult versus you've got the you've got the kid and you've got their parents who's probably paying for the lessons right talk to me about dealing with with kids who maybe are the self-starters who are going to grind and get on the range when it's dark versus the kid who's like yeah i want to be good and then when you come in for the next lesson it's like uh Oh, I haven't picked up a club since I saw you last. You're right.
1: Yeah, I think I think with that first one, you know, it, it the reality is, is we love those students. Because we we love patting them on the back. Oh my God, you're such a grind. Oh, you work so hard. You're gonna be amazing. And I think, And I think inherently what we do, and I'm I'm guilty of that as much as anyone else is if you want to call it guilty, it's we're also inherently putting more pressure on them because what we're also saying is if you have if you're not getting it you're not grinding hard enough so i got i got to work even harder and because they're self motivated they will grind themselves to the bone so you have to learn how to tell them it's okay to have fun it's it's okay to to goof around it's okay to take a break from your clubs take a week off and i have no problems going up to them or their parents and saying, I don't want to see you for the next two weeks. If you're going to go out and you're going to play golf, go ahead, play golf. But I don't want to see you here on the driving range. I don't want to see you here for three hours hitting balls, something like that. Go out and have fun. In fact, when you go out, uh, you want to know what your practice should be? You're only allowed to play with three clubs. Have fun.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Stuff like that. And yeah, we, we just have to police them. We have to just make sure that they're not just working too hard at it. Uh, I think with the other kids, it's, we're also trying to find out, is is it just a matter of trying to find out what that ignition switch is? Is, What is that thing that maybe, if we could just light that fire, all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe it might be nothing more than, hey, the kid just hates being on the range. But if you take him out and play, all of a sudden his face lights up. Got to find out. And, you know, I I've, I've got a couple of students like that where it's hey, I even tell them, "Listen, we got an hour. First 15 minutes, let's just work on one or two things here on the range. We're just going to take a I want to take a look at your putting. We're going to do a couple of things, okay? And then what we'll do for the last 45 minutes, 15 minutes is let's go out and play three holes. Let's see what you look like." I'm like, "Okay." Right? It's kind of like, "All right, let's eat your vegetables first and then we can have the steak and ice cream." All right? Okay. Let's just get that out of the way. Uh, but you may just have a kid who's just like, eh, whatever. And so I think that what we have to do is, is and, and one of the things that a good teacher does is we're always kind of setting the bar high. We, we kind of want everyone to have the tour, the tour player experience. We want to treat everyone. We want to feel, we feel like we want to help everyone reach their dreams, their goals, but sometimes, it, like like you said, there's kids who are just like, yeah, yeah, I haven't touched the club. Okay, and and so I don't want to say we lower our bar, but we just become more realistic. Yeah. And maybe maybe what you're doing is, is you're talking to them more about, hey, did you see the ball game the other night? You see that in your case? Did you see the hockey game the other night? You believe right. it? I can't believe Ovi what he did. I'm like yeah, like right. And as, and as you're talking to him, it's like, here, can you chip another ball here? And they're chipping, they're chipping. Yeah. But do you see that move that behind the back move that he did with his stick? And that kid's like, yeah, you know, and he takes his, his wedge. He goes, yeah. And he like, you see what he did? It's, Oh my God. Yeah. Like, here's another ball. Can you chip another one to that back flag? All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I play hockey, but you know, I'm talking like you, I mean, it's like, yeah, I play hockey, but I, there's no way I could ever do what that's doing. Oh man, that was a good chip. Look at that. So you see how that ball landed there and then rolled out and, like oh yeah yeah, yeah. you just kind of intermingling, and and that I think is what you could say is tempering your enthusiasm or lower. I don't want to say lowering your expectations so to speak, but being more realistic, because the bottom line is 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 that kid walking away going yeah that was fun, that was fun. I like talking to Mark about that about about O V and how he played the other night and yeah I like that lesson and and then the parents going like okay uh, so you're so next lesson's next Tuesday okay great. Hmm.
0: Yeah, and, and I th- the, the point you make there too is, and I think it's sometimes hard for coaches. I know it has, for me sometimes, it's like you see, you get a student like that, one of the high school age kids, and they enjoy playing, but they don't have it uh, that enjoyment at that hyper-competitive level perhaps. And as you say, it, lowering the bar, you obviously don't want to say it that way, but maybe that is what you're doing to some degree. You're just, you're, you're lowering um changing maybe the type of lesson you're giving yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, the goal number one out of every lesson we give is to make sure we never lose a golfer, right? Like we got to make sure that, okay, if this kid just kind of makes his way as the sixth, seventh player on the high school team through high school, all right, great. He goes to college, but he still keeps playing with his buddies. And when he gets out of school, oh, yeah, I played high school golf and he plays some business golf. And then all of a sudden it's something he can do when he plays golf yeah. When he's in business, I feel like you know. Then he's going to be spending money, and then his kids are going to play golf, and like you know what I mean. Like you can look at it that way too. It's like we have a higher yeah. responsibility to the game. To, and at that, that
1: guy, that girl, that guy, that woman, that man comes back to you. Yes. When they're 27 years old, hey Mark, you remember me? Yeah, of course I remember you. It's like yeah, you know, like so. So what are you up to? What are you doing now? You talking and everything like that. Listen, um. You know, I got a lot of, I play a lot of golf now with my clients. And so I just want to get a little bit better. So I don't embarrass myself. <laughs> I was wondering, like, can I get a few lessons? Sure. Yeah. No problem. Right. Yeah. And then they get married and like, Hey, this is my daughter. Right. Want to get her? It's like, and you never know. I mean, I'm giving lessons now to a young lady who was taking lessons with me as a junior 15 years ago, 10 years, whatever it is. And 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 it's funny. We joke around. Now about how I, I tell her you're such a moron because you're a better golfer now than when you were a serious junior, <laughs> and then she she spits it right back in my face and goes like, "Well, that's because you weren't teaching me this this stuff when I was a kid. You know, if you taught me this stuff when I was 15 years old, I'd be an AJGA, you know, all American."
0: <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs>
1: and I'd be like, "Yeah, you're right."
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Gotcha. You know, and we talk about this this level of, of player at the high school level. And, and I had this trouble with uh, some of the adults that I teach to be perfectly honest, but I have found this to be an interesting struggle with some of the high school age kids. And that is, uh, and this is something that listeners will have heard before that I love to ask all the coaches is players ability to honestly uh, and accurately self evaluate. And I get this with some of the kids who I teach in high school. It's like, how'd you play? i ah, pretty good. You know, uh, how'd you drive? Pretty good. You know, driver, irons, torque. I you know, putted it good. Yeah. What'd you shoot? 42. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I'm a really good putter. Yeah, I'm a really good putter. And that, the, uh, that everybody's a really good putter, you know, really good putter. Um, So what's your take on that? Because I always, I call it the sunshine and rainbows effect. Like everything is sunshine and rainbows, right? You know, they never remember the bad stuff. And I think the better players have a tendency while they can move on from it, they'll they definitely checkmark that stuff way before they checkmark the good stuff.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think sometimes what we have to do is, is we have to look at it the other way around where like you just said uh, they shot 42. So mm-hmm. what I would usually ask is I oh, say so you shot 42. You think that's a good score? Mm. And they may actually say, yeah, for me, that's really good. Okay then you know what? Maybe those rainbows are real. Yeah. Because maybe, maybe in their mind, they're like, yeah, I am getting better. Right. But sometimes you'll see the opposite. It's like, well, you shot 42. What do you think of that? Well, if it wasn't for this and if it wasn't for that and like, I just got this bad bounce and then it's like, well, I'm like, then I got like this and like, well, you are the most unlucky golfer I've ever heard in my life. So, mm-hmm. you know, based, based, according to you, if it wasn't for all these unlucky bounces and everything like that, you would have shot six under par for nine holes. <laughs> and then you yeah. kind of like, okay, yeah. So, so, we ready? We ready to kind of like see where the forty two came from, right? So, let's go. Let's. How was your drives? How many? How many of the nine holes did you hit your driver? Oh, I hit it on six of the nine. And what happened? Well. You know, I hit this really good drive on on the third hole and it just went into the trees. Well, then it wasn't a good drive. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Or and and what we'll talk with some of the more serious ones about we've gone through kind of like the decade approach, the shotgun pattern. It's Mm -hmm. was that shot in the trees? Did that match up with your pattern? And they'll be like, no, well, where, where were you lined up to? What did you see as your target line? Everything like that. And sometimes what happens is, is we find out that it actually did fit their pattern. They just were aiming at some weird thing. Right. right. So no, that's one possibility, but yeah, we, we talk about it like that.
0: What do you think students can be, be better at in lessons? Like how can, how can a student be better at taking a lesson? There's lots of ways we can do our job better um, to be sure. Uh, but what can students do to make their experience better, get more out of our time together?
1: Uh, I think like, just like you were saying, probably coming with a real, realistic assessment of what their game is like, uh, understanding that when you're coming for a one hour lesson, it's, it's not the Holy grail you are not going to be fixed at the end of the hour. You are not going to be seven shots better at the end of the hour. Uh, You're you're (laughs) not coming into the lesson as a fader and leaving as a drawer. At the very least, you're going to have a better idea of what you need to do to reach your ultimate goals, but there's no way you're better. Right. So you have to what you know, hopefully a good coach. It's what what we're doing is giving them a blueprint, an idea of the first steps they need to take so that these changes could take place. Right. I mean, I I always use the example of uh, are you right handed? Yes, I'm right handed. All right. Well, imagine you wake up tomorrow morning and it turns out it's illegal to be right handed. You have to do everything left handed now. You think you're going to be eat? You think you're going to be eating food? Probably going to be starving for a couple of days, poking yourself in the face with your fork, right? How are you going to write your name? How are you going to do everything right, left-handed? But you know what's going to happen in about four or five, six days? You're going to be, hey, check this out. I can write my name. Cool. Look at this. I can actually read it now. Ha, 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 Right? Hey, wow, look, I can actually use chopsticks left-handed now. Ha, 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 Right? Right? And, and little by little. And... Just kind of getting them to understand that. Will everyone get it? No. It'll be in one ear and out the other for some people. But as long as you're telling them, you're showing them that you understand that, that you're not this quick fix guy, that you're not like, all right, let's get to, all right, see you next week, right? That that you care about their long-term development. I think over the long haul, that really goes far.
0: Uh, Yeah, perfectly said on that part for sure. Uh, caring is is the number one thing, in my opinion. Uh, no question about it. Um, James, you know, by, by all measures in our business, uh, you're viewed as a very successful coach. Um, but one of the questions I ask often here is, you know, what's your definition of success? And have you gotten there yet?
1: Yeah. I, I mean I think one way of looking at it is is that success is your lesson book is is always filled or almost filled um part of it is I like the fact that a lot of people that come to me were refer referrals mm-hmm. and uh those are always really good to hear because i oh yeah you know John said that you were really good and and of course the multiple referrals like oh I know these three guys. They all take lessons from you, and they keep telling me how like good you are. So I finally came. All right, that kind of stuff. I mean, I think that's 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 a hint to success. Um, if you're looking at it right off the bat and going like, "How much money can I make?" You're already hindering yourself because you're you're looking at it backwards. And if you're good at what you do because remember, we're in the people business, we're providing a service, we're trying to make people's lives better, we're trying to make them happier in their circumstances, in their situation. And if we're doing that, you're going to have a lot of happy people that are going to be wanting to come back to you. They put you on their priority list. The the problem that people, what a lot of instructors fail to see is that they just automatically think that you're coming every Tuesday at 7pm. And what happens is life gets in the way. And if you're not high on their priority list, that one Tuesday becomes two, becomes three out of five, because other things become more important than seeing you. Mm. But if you if you make it that you're you're showing them that you're making not only making them better in golf, but just making them happier, it's like a dopamine effect. They want to see you. They wanna, you're their therapist, not just their golf instructor. They want you to be a part of their lives. So they'll, they'll move other things around so they get a chance to see you. And, and that's, that's important for, I think, instructors to realize they, if it's not about them. If you're good at what you do, you'll make your money. I mean, I'm going to be bragging a little bit, but, but my paychecks, if you saw the stack of my paychecks, you'll look at them and you'll see like whatever, the last five years, I haven't opened them. I don't, I don't open my paychecks because to me, that's not the most important thing and a couple of times the, the accounting offices say, Oh, sorry about last week's paycheck. We goofed. Um, so the, you know, this, 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 uh, that, that payment that we missed, it'll be on this week's paycheck. Sorry about that. I'll be like, I didn't even know. It's it, sorry. I didn't, I didn't know about it. It's okay. Don't worry about it.
0: Yeah. I think it, when you talk about how you can never take that, I think that's extremely important to remember is that is, if you take for granted the fact that they're coming to see you for lessons, and that they love coming to see you, and that they're taking their most valuable commodity, as you talked, you know, as, as I've heard talked about many times, that their time, um, as soon as you start taking that for granted and expect that it's going to happen, um, that's when it's going to come back and pretty much bite you in the ass for sure, uh, and you lose that person. I think the the best people in any industry, and my wife and I talk about this often, we call it sort of the fear. That's our term for it. And that is constantly living on that little bit of an edge where it's like you're comfortable and, and happy with your success, but you are afraid that in the next second somebody could snap their fingers and it disappears. Exactly. There's that right?
1: paranoia that tomorrow morning it could be over. Yeah. And,
0: and go ahead. Yeah.
1: I think I think that's a really great point that she made. And the 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 example I would give is 9-11. Hmm. And back, I mean, I was teaching back then and I was, I was relatively successful and then nine 11 hit and no one wanted to come to the golf course. It's like, it's, it's not like COVID because after nine 11, we felt guilty having a good time and we didn't know what was going to happen. People were saving their money. We didn't know if the economy was going to be destroyed. And, and, and it's like, I remember, I think it was, The month of October, I generated a total of, I think it was, it was definitely under $300 in lesson revenue for the entire month of October after
0: 9-11.
1: And that's exactly what you're talking about is, is I, and I remember thinking clear as day is like, I cannot just settle. I, I, I have what makes me best. Like what I was saying early on, it's like, what works What's good. What makes me better? What makes us better? What makes the programs better? Right. Like, like your wife was saying, like, yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, what's, what's next for you? I mean, you know, you've got this rocking and rolling programming and, and you're, you're, you know, full and busy and, and creating more joy for everybody, but what's, what's down the pipeline for James Hong, anything, anything new or different or any big ideas that you're thinking about?
1: Yeah, I, I have a couple of things that are all rolling around up here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a dangerous place up there. It's a
1: dangerous place, because, <laughs> it is it is big and empty. <laughs> and, um, I mean, I've I've always thought about writing a book, and I'm constantly writing things and writing notes and and the, and the more stuff I accumulate, the more stuff I notice. It's like it's starting to look a little like Harvey Penix, little red. Bull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but it's it's. I mean, I've already. It's going to be for the coach. And it's not, it's not like teach this, teach this. It is about like what we were talking about, how to just be a better coach, how to be a little bit more intuitive. It's um, like one of the working titles I have is a coach's view. And, you know, that's something that I'm, I'm looking at. Another thing is creating um, an, a, a performance program for people, and it'll start with golf but hopefully it moves on to other sports where it's for beginners and they can come and see these online portals and just some very basic stuff, but also fun stuff. So it isn't very you know, like put your thumb here and everything. It's like, Hey, you yeah. know, a little bit more. And then, you know, so that's something that I'm looking into. And yeah, I mean, and I'm, I started doing this stuff with iconic golf as well, you know, just creating an online platform because I want to see if, hey, it's not just the students that live around me. There, there are students around the country. There are students around the world. And, and can I kind of provide the same service for them? And seeing if I can actually provide it not just for the student, but also for the student and the coach as well. Right. And seeing how that works.
0: Right. Well, I, I'm sure whatever whatever you do, man, everybody's going to be uh, jumping all over it. I'm sure if you write a book, everybody's going to be reading it, hearing <laughs> your voice, you know, in their head, and and those of us who know you will maybe even hear it in the in the uh, in the voice of an in- impression, which I won't ask you to do on here, but I will tell everyone that James is very good at it. He's also very good at singing Elvis at karaoke, uh, <laughs> which actually came up on my Facebook timeline the other day, and I I just couldn't, still can't believe, and that was like six years ago. Yeah, uh, long story. We ended up, you know, in a in a karaoke bar, but. Um, it was a good time. Well, listen, man, uh, we could, we could talk about a lot of this stuff for a long time, but, uh, you know, I really appreciate you, uh, coming on with me. Uh, I think, you know, anybody who's watching, this is going to get, you know, their, their, their fill of a lot of great information from you and especially for, for junior golfers, coaches and parents too. I hope some parents out there will, will take some of your advice to heart so they yeah. can create lifelong golfers, which I know you're very good at. And um, I wish you and your family the best and uh, a, a great and much better 2021 than 2020 ever was to us. Well, and, uh, you know,
1: yeah. Thank you for having me on here. This was a, this was a pleasure and an honor. Uh, and same back to you and your family and and everyone out there. You know, let's let's hope 2021 is way better than 2020.
0: Sounds like a plan, man. Take care of yourself. All right. You too. Thanks to my friend, James Hong, for coming on the Driving Improvement Podcast. I think as coaches and just as people in general, we would all love to have his passion, his desire to make everyone who's in front of him feel like they're the most important part of his day. That's, to me, how you create lasting success in any any industry, frankly, and in his case, help create lifelong golfers. Thanks so much to James. Thanks so much to you for listening. And until I get with you the next time on the Driving Improvement Podcast, have a great and happy new year. And until then, we'll see you on the lesson team.